from runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 759, Doing More Using Teams with guest Christina Wheeler. Recorded Saturday, December 19th, 2020. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts, LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Today, my guest is Christina Wheeler, who is a solution architect and technical trainer specializing Power BI, Power Apps, SharePoint, and other Microsoft 365 products. Apparently, that includes Teams these days, too, because that's an Office 365 product, I think. (laughs) I mean, it's just been so much of the focus of attention by Microsoft, especially this past year or so. I mean, certainly during the pandemic, it's been nuts. It's like Teams, Teams, Teams all the time. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I mean, we're recording uh, this before the holidays, but we're publishing after the holidays. So how was your Christmas? (laughs) Christmas was wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And what were the results of the runoff elections? Let's just dig you deeper and deeper here, Christina. Oh, ouch. Yeah, no comment. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. That's a good answer. (laughs) Well, you've been crazy busy, like. I mean, I think most tech people have just been swamped, right? So much to do. I have been swamped. You know, what's interesting is in the beginning of this pandemic, I'm just going to say in the beginning of our world has gone mad and the Mm -hmm. entire world shut down. I struggled really bad. Now, mind you, um, I joined Canvas about pretty much almost, almost a year ago. Hmm. It's almost been a year that I joined Canvas and it's been one of the, it's been a really good decision that I made. Love the team and all that stuff. And and to be honest, I'm glad I made that decision because number one, I didn't. None of us knew what was coming and sure. was going to happen. I'm glad, grateful. I, I wouldn't, couldn't even imagine being independent right now, especially. I mean, going through this year. But I, I believe everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And uh, but I joined this team and great, love my team. And you know, the last trip I did before the shutdown was I was I went to Seattle and Kirkland to go. You know, meet with my team in person, mm-hmm. was on site at Microsoft. And then um, after that was in March, I went to fin- Helsinki, Finland. Right. For Tech Days, to present at Tech Days, not knowing that was going to be my last trip. Yeah, no way to know, right? And, and um, so did that event. It was a great event. And um, I got back three days before the world shut down. Good timing. And now I will tell you the. I had the best flight coming back, hmm. mind you, not knowing this was going to be my last flight, yeah. right, of the year. I was uh, KLM. I got upgraded to a lay flat seat for like 400 euros, which is unheard of. Yeah, excellent. From Amsterdam <laughs> to Atlanta. And that was the best flight ever. Not so once again, not knowing that was going to be my last flight, no. but I came back and I was, I was struggling really, really bad in the beginning. So did, because- did, did customers stop projects and stuff? Like literally your work shut down? No, work didn't shut down. No. Tech, well, I was flying 90,000 miles a year. So sure. I did a lot of tech events. I did a lot of conferences, a lot of them in Europe, mm-hmm. which I did every year, which yep. I loved doing. 
And the work didn't stop. Now, when it comes to other projects before I joined Canvas, those would get at a standstill, like government projects and stuff like that. Right. Right. But when I joined Canvas, our work did not stop. Mm-hmm. But what stopped was my travel. The stopping, I was used to going on site and teaching classes for customers or doing conference events in person. And that was a big adjustment for me. I mean, I didn't realize how much I was really going until my travel completely stopped. Yeah, absolutely. My body went into shock. <laughs> it went into shock. It's like, what? It went into shock. You I haven't was changed fly- time zones for a month, for two I months, was for three 90, months. 90,000 miles a year. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a big yeah. change. That's it was, it was huge. So I've lived in Georgia for, I talked about this with friends last night, which was hilarious because we're, I've lived in Georgia for nine years, almost 10. This is the first year that I really lived in Georgia. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To be home all the time and, and, uh, oh my dogs love it. I love, I mean, I actually like you had talked about with your dog. I think it's good that I'm home now because my lab is getting older yeah. and so. So it's, you know, it's been good. But my body went into shock. Depression, anxiety is not something that's normal for me that I go through. And I started feeling that this year, especially in the beginning. So then John Levesque and uh, Mark Stokes, some other friends of mine, introduced me to VR gaming. They introduced me to Oculus. So then I started getting into (laughs) that, which has been extremely therapeutic. So and uh, so I got into that. And then once I started doing that, uh, then my friends got me into paddleboarding. Now I've been addicted to that. So I found these other outlets, which I'm grateful for. And I'm a drone pilot now as well. Awesome. See, yep. So the, your hobby used to be travel. Then that was not an option. You picked up a group of new hobbies. All new hobbies. And, I, you know, I've always been passionate with certain things. And I've, I've always wanted to get into paddleboarding, but never had time. I've always wanted to get into drones because I do photography and I yeah. wanted to start getting into aerial photography. So it was one of those things that I never had time because it was always on the road. Never had time. But now that I joined Canvas, I actually have weekends, Weird. which wasn't heard of for me for a decade. <laughs> so I have weekends and I'm doing these things that I'm living as much as I'm not traveling. I'm living my life more now personally, if that makes sense. Than I did before because before I was it was constantly work technology that's it I push all my other passions aside. Awesome, that's really interesting, and it's going to be curious as as the vaccine comes across and this pandemic ends. Like, what's our work going to look like going forward? I have no idea. One of the things I did think of the other day, it's like, well, Christina, what do you think is going to happen? I'm like, you know what? I don't even think about tomorrow. I can't because it gives me anxiety. Yeah. All I do. I just deal with the problems that are in front of you. Pretty much. So, what do you do with teams that's uh, unusual? Because I think we, you know, we've talked about the collaboration piece a whole bunch, but it's becoming this kind of sovereign app, like the first thing that people touch and they come into the office. Another things that have happened during this this pen, this crazy, I call it the WTF year. Yeah, is that. Organizations were implementing Teams, either migrating from Skype for Business or looking into Teams. Like, what is Teams? I don't know what this is. Right. To all of a sudden, now people knows now so much of the world knows what Teams is because they've been using it. Right. Um, I'm wearing, I love this. I, I, Lori Potmeyer and, and Sean Wilson, they're awesome and they give us swag and stuff. So I, I'm wearing this Microsoft Teams like jacket thing that I love that's comfortable. And it's funny now because before if I wear this, people would know, but now, and I forget I wear it, right? Right. But it's it's just a jacket. Things 
practically living. They're like, oh, Teams, yeah, we use Teams at work. Oh, we use Teams here. And so they, they, you went from people not knowing a product to all of a sudden just skyrocketed because this whole shift in how people are working. Mm-hmm. So now there's people, organizations that are doing collaboration. And what I'm doing and I started doing before this pandemic was – um, I was doing sessions on Teams development and app templates, and there's extensibility points for Teams that you can do. Hmm. So a lot of times people working in Teams and they're using the default functionality of Teams. Right. Right. You have a team, which gives you a document library, which a lot of people don't know it's tied to SharePoint. At least because you, I used to have customers just say, well, we have Teams now, so we can just get rid of SharePoint, right? <laughs> uh, you have... You have, you know, people are collaborating within teams, but what they don't, a lot of organizations don't realize is that there's so much more that you can do with teams. And my, one of the things that I've always been, you know, I love being a solution architect for a number of reasons. I love helping customers come up with solutions to help improve their business. The other thing I like doing is helping automate. Now, not automating in a way that cuts jobs, Auditing in a, automating in a way that makes everyone's life better, improves right. business processes, yet also empowers the team. Mm-hmm. So your workflow kind of automations? So teams, there's, so you can't. So yes, workflow type of automations. My goal, what the things I've been, you know, my goal in helping customers and just even people in the community understand things is saying, hey, you have teams. You have all these different Microsoft 365 services, but let's bring this together within Teams. Right. Now, Teams is already heavily integrated with Microsoft 365, but what a lot of people don't realize is there's other third-party apps and app templates that you can add into Teams. Now, some have already been doing it, or some are just not aware. Um, so, for example, a lot of companies are using Salesforce. Okay. I have customers that are using Salesforce. Right. And if I have to open a ticket, I have to go to the website, open the ticket, and so on. Yeah. A lot of times I'm also having to open a ticket for something that I should just be able to get an answer for. So Salesforce has a bot. They have an app developable develop or an app for teams available. And if you're already using Salesforce, it will just leverage your existing enterprise license within Salesforce. So you can install the Salesforce app, have it tied in, so that way, um, you can have it helps empower your business so that if people are having an issue within your organization, they can, can go directly to the Salesforce bot and get help. And so one of the number ones I things that issues I've seen with with organizations is a lot of the IT resources are being spent on solving problems that actually could potentially be answered or or automated. Right. To to, to solve that problem. For example, somebody's email client is slow. Right. Right now, if one of my clients, uh, they're using Salesforce, they're not using the bot at the moment. Someone has to go or open a ticket because they're having problems or, you know, they're having problems with their email account or mm-hmm. email. So they go open a support ticket that costs a IT resource to go and, you know, work on that ticket. Well, you can have these FAQs. Do you have you can have your, your, all these different incidents within Salesforce that comes back in the bot. So then the person starts conversation with Salesforce bot and says, hi, and it starts responding. What can I help you with? And your bot can, the Salesforce bot, and this is all configurable. The Salesforce bot can have different, uh, like common issues. Mm-hmm. 
And, and then they could search for more, but like email was one of them. Click on it and it's going to give results. Okay. Then it would filter and say, okay, well, here's what issue are you having? They click on another one, gives them more results. What comes down to my email, my email, e- emails are slow or the email client is slow or something like that. Then they click on that and then it can give some s- suggested things to try. Right. Do that user. That user tries it. If it solves their problem, they say, and then the bot responds and says, hey, did this solve your problem? Yes. Okay. Then it the, ends the conversation and they're good to go. And you've eliminated and then, a tier one tech support ticket. Like no. You're no. completely, you're automating the tier one tech support. Yeah. yeah. So then that way, if it's not, there's still an issue, then it would go up to tier two. Then it, you would actually, would actually, that bot can open up a support ticket. Right. And, and already have got all that pre-work done, right? So you've saved you saved a fair chunk of time. Now, is this integrate? Do you ha- does it make sense to have that Salesforce integration into Teams, or does it make sense to that bot in Teams, or do you have it in Salesforce? Like I'm just trying to figure out the UI context around that. No, within Teams. Yeah. Okay. So this is like down that left hand side on the Teams bars, alongside my calendar, my calls, and stuff. There's now a Salesforce bot. Salesforce, a Salesforce icon that you would click on. It would. It's called Virtual Agent. Right. So you'd have a Virtual Agent icon. You click on, boom, start the conversation. Get your, you know, get help. Get, you get your immediate help. Interesting. Okay. And is uh, who built that? Is that Salesforce that did that? Is that a Microsoft Salesforce, thing? Yeah. No, Salesforce built that. So each, so th- from a third part party product standpoint, like ADP, my company uses ADP for our payroll. Right. There's also Salesforce, which is really big in the industry. I have it. You know, I, a lot of organizations have found are using one or the other. Mm-hmm. There's a bot for both of those. And I'm, yes, I'm very technical, but once I started diving into some of those third-party apps, I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. Yeah. So from like an ADP, so these third-party products decide if they actually want to have an app. And so either they hire somebody to write the app for them or they do it and create it. Then they go through this publishing process to get it approved within Microsoft. So there is this, this process to get it deployed so that everybody can use it. Um, there's three types of um, ways, you know, you can... You can develop apps for your organization internally. You can uh, get apps, which is called, there's these app templates available online, which mm-hmm. Microsoft has been releasing more and more. That gives you a starting point, which you can also work with and deploy within your organization. Right. But then like the, from a third party app standpoint, um, like let's say I developed an app internally for my org and decided I think that other organizations could benefit from this, mm-hmm. then I could decide to turn that into a third-party app and have it go through the submission process to get it approved to actually become available in the Microsoft Teams app, app store. So there is an app store for Teams to, to put is. all these different add-ins. Yep, there is. So when you go into Teams, and it's all dependent upon your rights because there's um, – you know, I'm used to having access to everything, right? As sure. a global tenant, admin, but it's all dependent on rights. But what it is, there's been a lot of changes to the the, the Teams platform from an admin standpoint, um, also from the developer um, platform. So there's uh, so before you had an option just to basically turn on or turn off if you wanted to allow users to even use third party apps, right? And and I'm not talking about GCC tenants right now because that's a whole nother, mm-hmm. no whole nother discussion. But then, but what happens is now there's, I'm going to, was doing a chalk talk on this before is in the Teams admin center now, there's been a lot of improvements where you can actually individually define, allow, block and set up different policies. So there's just, 
you can really empower your organization within teams. So a lot of organizations right now may have either everything turned off or they have some stuff turned wait, on or off. And a lot of organizations, what I find is if they do deploy some of these apps, they have it enabled for everybody because right. they don't understand the some of the best practice ways now that you can create, uh, manage things through, you got permission policies mm-hmm. and set up policies. So let's say, let's say, for example, my marketing team might have some specific apps that, that would be good for them to use. I can create a setup policy that is targeted to this group of people. So say all my, all uh, everybody in marketing, I want these apps to, to be pinned to their team's bar, navigation bar, probably totally hacking up that, what the actual technical term of that is, <laughs> but, but you can tell it's been a busy week. Yeah. yeah. So set up policies to identify which apps, one, you want to allow those users to actually be able to work with have installed or even have pinned on the left bar. Right. So instead of having all these different pin apps for your entire organization, you can focus it based upon the business. So sales, I might have specific apps pinned for them. So I'd have a setup policy for that right. marketing, HR, and so on. So is this where you get into the templates part is that you can build a template based on role? This is where you get into the actual manage app setup policies. Okay. So in the admin center, you have, there's a, um, a grouping or uh, you have manage apps mm-hmm. and from manage apps, you have permission policies, setup policies, uh, and so on. So, and that's where you can configure app. Now there's also the whole templates. Um, Microsoft, of course, has created a lot of templates. Uh, so one of the things, um, what is it? AKA.ms teams app templates. Let me double check that short link. Okay. That's a very, so this is one of the things that I love. And what it is, is last, maybe it was last year, Teams app templates. I'm totally, I'm going to hack. Yes, I got aka.ms slash Teams app templates. Nice. That will take you to the, the, the website or the page that has all these available app templates available. And there's more that keep getting launched. And this is everything. Um, what it is, is there's different scenarios. So the product group has done an amazing job and saying, okay, we don't want people to have to develop apps from scratch. Right. Now this, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping away from third party apps now. Now it's talking about you have extensibility points. You can build a bot, a messaging extension, a custom tab. Mm-hmm. There's different things that you can build within teams and extend. Where there's specific scenarios. And so what Microsoft has done is said, hey, what are some things that customers are needing where they don't have to create an app from scratch? We can give them a template that they can deploy. And so that's what these app templates do. So one of them is request a team. And this is a really good one. Um, so when you go to this website, what it's going to do is you're going to see all the available app templates. Right. And you'll see it's, going to, it's continuing to grow. And what it is, there'll be a link on there that says, get it on GitHub. And then when you go to get it on GitHub, you will have a couple of different options. One is a deployment guide that allows you, gives you all the instructions and the steps and the scripts and everything to deploy it to your tenant as is. And then you have the other option to actually download the code where you can take this as a starting point and then modify it, customize it, do whatever you want with it. Interesting. So you can have an app that says, this is really fitting my business needs, but I would like to have these changes. Right. So they give you the the, the the entire code base. 
says, okay, here's the code. Take it. Because it's all, it's all on GitHub. It's all on GitHub. That's awesome. Yep. And uh, it's all on GitHub. Christina, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. This episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by the Humanitarian Toolbox. Humanitarian Toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations. One of the leading projects called Two Weeks Ready helps individuals, families, and communities prepare for disasters using smartphones. HDBox builds and operates this and other applications on behalf of a variety of disaster response organizations, and they need your help. Go to htbox.org for more information or to make a tax-deductible donation. HDBox is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. Your donations help support the creation of this life-saving software. Thanks. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Christina Wheeler. We're talking a little bit about the uh, sheer amount of extensibility in Teams and the idea of app templates. But I think we're sort of getting that point of, so if I'm a Power Apps person, I could be t- deploying a Power App through Teams, right? Yeah. Interesting. So again, we get to that back to that sovereign app, like this is your hub of work. It's your collaboration yeah. tool. You obviously can see your calendar there. But you could also, you know, you've got your own custom expenses app or Power BI thing or any of that sort of stuff. The kind of things you would build in Power Apps, that low-code solution, they can all be part of Teams. Can. And we have templates to start with. You can. And actually, if you go on the app templates, some of them, I'm trying to find which one it is. Um, Some of these are actually a Power Apps template Okay. So the app templates on here are a combination of some of them are a bot, some of them are a message, messaging extension, some mm-hmm. of them are a power app. But what you can do now too is you can, you can actually have a, uh, have your power app that you created for your organization. And there's an option now where you can actually, uh, you can take that power app. It'll download it as a zip file mm-hmm. that you can upload to Teams. And then that app is available there. You, you can have it the, the pinned. They click on it, and the app is right there embedded in Teams. Nice. And so for me as an IT person through the Teams Admin Center, then I can take one of these apps and roll it out to appropriate team members. They don't have to do anything to install. It's just going to appear as an icon on their on their left bar there. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah, it's just it, it's interesting to start. Like you said, everybody moved to Teams very quickly the past few months for, you know, okay. for pandemic reasons. And now we're kind of getting beyond this you know, what are the defaults into more of the additional capabilities, freely turning this into the hub it ought to be, including your own custom work. Uh, what about engaging developers on this? Is there a way for your regular dev team, your regular apps to be a part of this as well? So, yes. And what, what I've been recommending to um, organizations is when developers are just starting to get into the development platform for Teams, there's a couple different ways to go about it. One, they can start it out from scratch. Right. But what I've recommended is saying, telling the dev teams, go deploy some of these app templates. Right. Deploy them as this so you can get comfortable with that. That will help introduce you to some of the different capabilities. Then download the source code and look at that. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's kind of like instead of just going directly from building an app from scratch, they're looking at, okay, I'm going to check out these different things. Get comfortable with this deployment stuff. And it's like, oh, this is cool. This this bot does this. And then start diving into the development platform. Mm-hmm. Now, on the development platform, there is actually, and I've been working, I've helped with updating this content uh, just recently. There is a certification path for building applications and solutions with Microsoft 365 core services. This is MS 600 and it includes, I mean, this covers Microsoft Identity, it covers SharePoint Dev, Teams Dev, and so on. Right. But even if you didn't want to go, even if you weren't 
goal was to do this certification on uh, the, the docs.microsoft.com, but the learning certifications path, there's exercises and content on there for teams. Right. So, oh, it's the, I have to find the right one. So there are exercises on there on introducing you to creating a bot, introduce you to creating a, a messaging extension and a Teams tab and stuff. So if there's developers that want to get into that, the documentation out there that Microsoft has is great. Yeah. Either from that standpoint or just even going in, um, we're big kudos to, to Microsoft, to the, the product groups for this. Teams, especially if I go on to Teams and Power Apps as well, right? You go on there, you, there's, there's all this guided learning now that's available mm-hmm. before you didn't have any of that. So, um, but what I'm seeing is that a lot of development teams are picking it up pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, before when you wanted to create, let's say a custom, a, a custom app for teams, whether it's a bot, um, or a messaging extension or a tab, you had to use, you know, you would go and create it either. You would go and use what was called the Yeoman gem- generator. Mm-hmm. And there was guys in the community that created that. So it's like, okay, I was able to run this script, use the Yeoman generator, determine, you know, go through the wizard process of this is what I want to create. And you're still doing it for SharePoint stuff. But for a Teams app, there's um, there's the Teams, Microsoft Teams Toolkit extension, right? which is available for Visual Studio Code and Visual Studio. And this makes it a lot easier now to go in and just go and create an app from scratch. So it's okay. I'm going to go in and create a bot. Um, so that's what the devs I think are liking now because they're seeing this extensibility, you know, more improvements on the dev platform show up. And so that's where I'm seeing more and more developers start to get into this. Yeah. The, you can draw developers in if you need to. I mean, there's an awful lot that can be solved with the no code, you know, power apps yes, approach too. A lot. There's absolutely is. But I also like the idea that we wouldn't have to, if you've already got, you know, uh, some kind of expense app or some other utility apps that are living elsewhere, right? They're on the, yep. through the portal or whatever that, the fact that we could move those apps into teams without a lot of work. Yep. So you don't have to re-engineer those things as power apps. You can keep using them if you want to, but you get that yep. common interface. And, and I appreciate your, your angle on bots here too, because there's lots of interesting idea for bots. It's always, but the real question is where do they live? Like, where are people going to find them? So there's, yeah, so there's another, I need to find what the short link was up for. That was um, apps, when you're creating apps for Teams and so on, it's not that, so Teams is a client. Mm-hmm. When you're create, deploying an app for Teams, that is a externally hosted app. Rather, right. it's in Azure, right? Even if you have it in, uh, like, it's in your Azure environment and so on, it's still considered externally hosted. Sure. Because... It's an app that you're connecting into Teams. Right. Or, right. So it's not that you're saying, okay, um, it's not like you're, you're saying I'm deploying this like, you know, office where I'm going to deploy this. I'm going to go old school now. This com object <laughs> oh my for goodness. my office product, right? <laughs> it's not everything. Yeah. Everything's cloud based now. Yeah. Right. So this so is going to be an app service. App. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's an app service. Yeah. 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 Or, yes. Exactly. Right. So an app service. Um, when you're creating a bot, you're going to have this bot app service. And so it's going to, and this is where I recommend diving into the app templates because mm-hmm. each one has different structures. So say, okay, it shows you this is going to deploy this app service. It's going to deploy and it shows you everything that's going to deploy in Azure. Right. Right. The different technologies behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's things that's built off cognitive services. So there's an FAQ bot, which of course you would build your knowledge base in, um, there's a Q and a builder so you can put your free, you know, questions and answers and so yeah. on. 
you can have a bot from scratch. So that Salesforce bot, that's a third-party product that uses their service, right. our, their web application, their service and everything, and it's brought into Teams, right? If you use your own custom, that's using whatever you're going to have there hosted in your Azure environment. Right. They, was the Q&A Maker? Q&A Maker. Yeah. So you could be taking that and integrating it into Teams then pretty painlessly. So basically make a bot on anything you want. Yes. That's very cool. And, and again, it's like, I love Q&A Maker. I thought it was really fun. But where does it, that live ultimately? The fact that we have Teams as a place to put it is very compelling because people then find those things. So you create your bot service. Then your bot service, you connect it to, you know, well, so well, actually when you go into Q&A Maker, mm-hmm. you can build your Q&A now. And Microsoft, like I said, done a the product group's done a phenomenal job. Before when I created stuff, I'd have to go back to Azure and do it. Right. You can pretty much create your bot directly within Q&A Maker now. So awesome. I can start my knowledge base, put everything I want in it, and then I'm able to actually, you've got the wizard steps there to create your bot and deploy it right there. Right. And including deploy to Teams. I uh, can't remember that one. <laughs> All right. Maybe step too far. But it, I mean, obviously the ingredients are there. You create it in Azure and then you yeah, can get it in, in Azure. Then get yeah. into the Teams admin center, hook it in, because there's also all the governance around this. I don't want this on everybody. I want to set some rules around it. Well, maybe some bots are everybody, but other bots are not going to be. So it is interesting to just think through how we would organize all these sort of uh, fixes and helps to to yeah. reduce the friction. And it, again, it makes it more and more that Teams is where you start your work, where you can solve your problems from. Wow, I would ask you how to get started, but I think we've got all these good links for people to get started on these things. What I love about the Q&A Maker, if we, if for folks who've never explored it before, is it's all about the content. Like, it's it's just a framework. It doesn't do much on its own, but it, if you start parsing facts into it, it really gets good at responding to questions by pulling back that fact information. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. I just logged into my tenant because um, I was going in to look at the Teams app settings and there were three options before manage right. apps, permission policies, and setup policies. Right. You had manage apps, which in the manage app section in the admin center is where you could set the org wide settings and you could say, okay, well, um, there, there's actually now 834 third party apps. Holy man. That's a lot. Uh, last month there was about 700. It's growing rapidly. It's growing, definitely growing rapidly. So what it is, is that's where you can say, okay, I want to allow this and not allow that. Then you have your permission policies and your mm-hmm. permission policies are things that you want to allow. Do you want to allow um, all these third-party apps or do you only want to allow specific third-party apps, right. right? Or you can say, I want to block all these, but only allow this. So you have the that stuff. And all then right. you also have a custom apps permissions. So that's like deploying the, the Teams app templates. Then you have your setup policies and the setup policies, like I mentioned, is like, I want for these people, for these people, I want to have these apps pinned in this order when they log into teams. Right. And for this, I want that. Now there's a customized store option, which oh. is awesome. So you don't have to push them down to them. You can literally give them a shopping list. Which one of these would you like? Well, the customizing the store here, what I'm looking at is you can actually, um, right now, if you go into the, the app store, it's going to be whatever the default Microsoft brand is and everything. Right. You can actually now make this focused on putting your organizational logo. You can customize the background. And so this is more, I guess, of the UI of the app store. But this is, um, and I think this is what customers have been asking for, though, because 
people will go in and they get confused or they're scared to install. Like if they have the rights to install stuff, they're scared because they're like, oh, well, I don't know if this is going to mess, mess up teams. I don't know if it's going to mess up my organization. Right. So what you can do now is brand your app store within teams. So, and that just kind of, I think, gives people more of a feeling of, oh, okay, well, this has my company logo. Okay, I feel. Yeah, I'm in the right place. I'm in the right place. Yes. Yeah, that sense of confidence that I'm doing the right thing in the right place. Yes. This is what yeah. I'm not circumventing IT. IT wants me here. Yes. <laughs> That's it. The company logo and a little thing that says it's okay. Well, and you can also do it where, I mean, like I said, you have certain people that are allowed to install apps. Sure. Uh, one of the things you can do is that I've recommended is let's say like org wide, you, you decide you want to figure out what apps you want to allow your organization to use. Mm-hmm. So org wide, you might turn off some of this stuff. Sure. You can turn it off in the permission policies and then decide, okay, you know what? But my IT team needs to be able to have access to everything right. because they need to vet these yeah. apps. What can go in. What we can use. So what I, the recommendation is, is that for org wide, you, you decide what you want to lock down, then create another app permission policy. That's an IT, you can, you can Let's just call it IT test policy. Right. And in there, I put my IT team that's responsible for vetting out these apps. And they need to play with all of it to be able to make a determination. Yeah, I think I granularize that. It's like there's some people who have roles involved in vetting apps. And so we'll give them that permission. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying not to have super users these days, right? Like just enough administration. You had, you know, that's a job. There's an account for that. It, It has those rights and so on. But I do appreciate the idea that you're going to end up with that mix of things. It's like, I'm going to push the help desk bot onto everybody. So they have yeah. that there for sure. And then, you know, oh, you're in sales. Here's three other things you should have. And then there's yeah. 50 others that are optional. Correct. Yeah. Okay. We have all the things that's grown up. Well, and there's, and there's also, um, that you brought up a good point on what, it, well, it's one of the governance is an important thing, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, they, you know, common thing that's come back now is like, oh, Christina, we're using Teams now. It's great. But now we have all these teams. Yeah. They didn't implement any governance. They said, we don't want to allow everybody just to be able to create a team. Mm-hmm. This brings me back to app templates. There's an app template called Request a Team, okay. which is a great app because you can deploy it. And what it is, is it allows your organization. So that way, not everybody can just go and create a team. They have to actually put in a request. They put in work. There's a workflow around it. Yep. There's a workflow around it. So this to me helps. And I, I know people can't see this, but I just put the link in the chat for you <laughs> so that you, you know, to have an approval process for creating teams. So yeah. that way you have, you know, t- that. To me, that's a great way to help scale that down so it can't just grow and grow and sure. grow. So you're going to put some type of automation governance in place to be able to have control over that. Well, and I also appreciate it. Like when you first put something out there, you kind of want it to be a little loose so people will experiment. True. But eventually you have to clean up the mess. What I like about this is you don't just lock it down, but you you create a process. It's like, okay, look, we're starting to let you make create teams, but here's the the way you do it now. Yep. And uh, and I also appreciate clean, you know, team retirement, team cleanup. We've had this governance conversation before, but I appreciate your view here. Of the, the better tooling uh, mm-hmm. makes it a lot easier for us to do the right things. You're not having to invent the right. the procedure. There is a procedure available. Yep. So that's pretty Sorry. cool. Wow. I've grabbed a bunch of links along the way, so I think we're pretty good. What's next for you? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> waiting to see when you can have your vaccine and go back out on the road. Maybe. You know what? 
now that I've been, I'm in no rush to get back on the road. That's interesting. Isn't uh, it? The very beginning of the shutdown, I was, I just couldn't wait to get back on a plane and I was miserable and just really struggling. But now I am in no rush. Now, the joke I've said is that I've been jet lagged since 2001, yeah. but it turns out it may not have been a joke because, <laughs> you know, after yeah. about two months at home, the longest trench I've been home in 20 years, my sleep changed and uh, got su- substantially better. And then that, that was one of those things when I looked at the Fitbit data and went, uh-oh. Like, that's ma- I may not be willing to give that up. When, when, the, when the world opens back up again, I might, I might go out on the road and have that sleep degrade again and go, oh, this sucks. I'm not doing this anymore. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know the answers. My, I know some of our friends in the community are, are flying already because they have to – they have to for, for certain things or customers or something like that. Yeah. I got to tell you, I, 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 psychologically, I can't, I can't, this, uh, the, I can't, I'm good being home because this whole dystopian feeling just does not yeah. sit well with me. So I'm like, you know what? I'm good. I'm good being home. We're good. I really, really, you know, I'm, I'm being able to work on my house now. Yeah. I'm actually, you know, I don't know if you saw, I've got this, uh, I joined the service hub, a uh, champion program. Nice. So, that's cool. It. So you got more tech at home than ever before. I have more tech at home that I'm playing with and having fun with. And, you know, uh, we're seeing if we could break it to, you know what I mean? We're, yeah. we're, we're pressing against we're the edges of stuff. That's the, the job. My, my, my things have shifted. I love speaking at conferences. I love being, in, I miss being in person, but I got to tell you this as much as I hate that this year happened the way it did. There's a lot of positive things that have come out of this. For sure. Hey, Christina, so much fun to talk to you. Thanks so much for the insight around uh, the app templates for Teams. That's really cool. Cool. It's been great. You bet. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. Mm-hmm.